Hi, welcome to What's New, the only podcast on SNHU that tells you everything that's going on on SNHU. This is me, Samantha, your podcast editor, and I'm joined by... Rosa, the news editor for the Penman Press. Spencer, the uh, opinions editor of the Penman Press. Uh, Stefan, the staff representative of the Penman Press. Yeah, I am so happy to have all of you here in this lovely day. But is it lovely, though? Because I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> I mean, unless there just randomly wants to be a bunch of snow falling from the sky again for absolutely no reason. I mean... Yeah, it's kind of sad. It was like 70 this weekend. It's supposed to be 70 again this weekend, but the whole week is supposed to be just miserable. So I guess Mother Nature is just deciding to tempt us with warm weather. I have trust issues now. I honestly yeah, didn't know. She's just kind of like playing a cruel joke on us now. She's just like, hey, look, look, we got, we got, so, we got summer. Oh, no, 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 ah, snow, ha! <laughs> yeah, I always thought April showers were supposed to be rain and not snow, but I guess that's changing this year. This is just global warming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. she's just getting back at us. Yeah, people can, like, like but it is really also hot inside, which makes me, like, I have a sweater right now, and I don't know if I should take it out or, like, keep, like, oh... Because it's not, it's not like super cold outside. It's just rainy and damp, but then the heaters are still on. So when you walk inside, you're sweating, and then once you go outside, you're like, ah, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a decision in the morning. You're like, uh, do I need a sweatshirt or do I need need a short sleeve? Uh, uh, I can't. I can't decide. <laughs> and to make matters even worse, uh, finals are approaching. People, how are we feeling about that? Great. <laughs> no. No. I'm no. excited. Are you? Are you really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I have a like. I have a project with Rosa that we have to do by Monday, and then I have another one that I have to do by Friday. What's up, Rosa? I mean, what? How are you feeling about that? <laughs> I have the project with you. I have another group presentation for my social class. I have another group presentation for my some other class. And then I have two individual presentations. Five out of six of my classes this semester I have to do presentations for. And it's oh not God. fun. No, it's not. And how's it going with you, Spencer? you have any projects coming up? Um, Projects? Yeah. No, I'm just drowning in uh, what's called art. It's <laughs> okay, I have to sell my soul. <laughs> oh my god i'm just i'm just tired man i just need a break right now <laughs> but yeah i'm so happy we're joined today and i really hope that this weather comes a little bit more clear and that all the stress of finals finally like evaporate with the sun i want to go to the beach fam yeah, yeah. I, wanna, I, want, I want warmer weather like let's go <laughs> yeah. stop tempting us and just give it to us already <laughs> we've earned it i have all my friends from my they're sending me pictures about them in like, in like swimsuits and like on the beach and like I hate you all. I don't know about swimsuits. I'm not ready for a swimsuit yet, but I want to go to the beach. I'm not ready for swimsuits. Yeah. <laughs> on this episode of What's New, we're going to be hearing from senior women's lacrosse player Krista Wilder as she talks about her sporting career and personal career here at SNHU. Are you an international student? Then join us for a conversation with Emanuela too as we talk about international stereotypes and how this affects our international community. But first, coming up, we have a conversation with our two food wizards here at the Penman Press, Frank Chin and Nicholas Ricci, as we talk about how to find good food in New Hampshire and even give out their opinion about the dining hall. 
I'm joined today by our resident food critic, Nicholas Von Chance Ritchie, and his protege, Frank Chin, to have a conversation about how to find good food in New Hampshire and even a little bit about the dining hall. Thank you for joining me today, guys. Uh, no problem. Thank Everything's you for having good. us. So, you guys, being the foodies that you are, how did you kind of get into thinking about food more beyond just eating it and, you know, being critical about it? So do I go first, Dick, or do you want me to go first? I can go ahead, Frank. Okay, so <clears throat> when I first liked more about food, I think it started when I studied abroad in Japan, because at that time, my debit card was actually hacked, so I couldn't actually withdraw any money, which means I had to think of my food more like, like, okay, how much is this, and how good is it? How much is my value for purchasing this versus, like, how much money I have, because I can't actually, like pretend like I have infinite amounts of money and just go eat whatever I want. I had to think like I had a certain budget and I have to buy things that I wanted while also making sure I'm not spending too much. So you had to make some kind of grown up decisions with your food and it made you think a little bit more about the kinds of things that were worth eating. Yes, yes, yes. How about you, Nick? Uh, for me, well, when I was younger, I used to be very picky. Um, it was definitely a problem. And um, my dad would get angry with me and he'd like make me try things. And I ended up just kind of like getting into it. And um, I mean, today I just feel like food is kind of like a universal language. And I think, you know, it's beneficial to be willing to try things. It just kind of helps increase your perspective. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like, like what Frank brought up as far as his study abroad experience. And like when I studied abroad in Italy, the thing that I really noticed is food is like one of the quickest ways to experience culture and to kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Both of you have been writing some food reviews. What is that like? To me, like getting, getting the idea of the restaurant from the perspective of the owner is really huge because this is their livelihood. So getting, what they anticipated like for the restaurant is is a big deal. And then as far as eating the food itself, it's just getting um, a good perspective of, of like, what you're eating and whether or not it's, it's prepared well. I mean, it really comes with time. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in any sense, but just like the more you eat out and the more things you try, the, like, the better you, come at, you, you become at it. So what I'm kind of hearing is that like food kind of like um... – Say, say writing about entertainment, the way that I kind of look at it is like you try to figure out what were they trying to do and how well did they pull it exactly. off. Exactly. So you're yes, kind of right. by talking about well said yeah. the owners of the restaurant, you want to talk to them about like, you know, what were you trying to accomplish? What were your influences and all of that? Absolutely. Yes. Does it ever get hard kind of trying to eat with your brain versus with your palate? Um, it can. I mean, especially if you're unfamiliar with a certain cuisine. Um, but also if you're very hungry, it can be tempting to just eat you and just, leave. It's over, you know, like just goes through the throat <laughs> into the stomach. Like, and oh, what happened? <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, when you when you think about it, you're paying for for what you're eating. So you might as well enjoy it uh, and take the time to enjoy it. So. I think that's huge. And Nick, I know you're part of the culinary arts program here at SNU. How has that education kind of influenced your food experiences? It's definitely, um, well, obviously it's increased my, um, my abilities in the culinary field. And it's also made me more aware of how to properly prepare things, which becomes useful when evaluating a 
like other restaurants. Um, and also provided me with a better concept of international cuisine. So it's been very beneficial. Since you've been doing um, reviews here and reviews for restaurants here in New Hampshire, what have been kind of some of the coolest places you've been able to find? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I don't personally consider them to be much of reviews because I only, uh, like with the, with the press and with my own blog, I tend to not really criticize restaurants. I just tend to go to the ones that I feel um, are good and worth going to. Um, but as far as interesting places in Manchester, there's I feel like Manchester has a better dining scene than many people realize. It's one of the more uh, diverse areas of New Hampshire. I believe it's the second most diverse uh, city in New Hampshire. And that definitely, really? Yeah, I think uh, Nashua is number one and huh. we're oh. number two. <laughs> and it's still a very white area, of course, it's New Hampshire, but there's definitely more diversity than other areas of the state. I think that definitely plays a role in the food landscape. Um, and we, have, we have a pretty good variety. I mean, there's some very good uh, Vietnamese and Thai restaurants in, in the area. There's a couple uh, Nepali restaurants in the area, which is which is pretty cool. There's a handful of uh, pretty authentic Mexican restaurants. So we have a pretty good variety. How about you, Frank? What are some good restaurants you've tried? Well, I haven't really tried very many restaurants in Manchester. I did try Nudes, and I think if it were just slightly cheaper, I think it'd be really nice. I'm a big fan of um, a Da Khan Thai in Manchester. Um, Aconsuelo's Taqueria is one of my favorite places to get Mexican. I was just there yesterday. Is that the one with the tongue tacos? That is a different <laughs> tongue. That, 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 that's a different place. Wow, that's, that's, um, that sounds interesting. That place is on Lake Avenue. It's called uh, uh, Rincon Taqueria Zacatecano. It's right gotcha. near this new arena. I recommend that place as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some very good Italian places. His place on Elm Street called Campo. Love that place. It's, it's very good. It's um, a farm to table. They offer homemade pasta, which is pretty hard to find in Manchester. Mm. Um, it is very, very good stuff. Um, uh, very reasonably priced also. So I definitely recommend recommend them. I do recommend Puritan. Puritan is also really nice for the chicken tenders. Classic. Yes. It's so good. College kids live off of Puritan and pizza, huh? And Mr. Max also. <laughs> Mr. Max. You know, I'm a fan. I'm not going to uh-huh. lie. Yeah, Mr. Max is really nice. I think, I think the popularity is deserved. They do a good job. I was listening to Alton Brown speak a little bit ago about kind of foodie culture and how recently, with like the rise of Instagram, lots more people have been considering themselves foodies because they can take good pictures of food with their phones. Totally, yeah. (laughs) And what it's kind of done is made some restaurants focus more on making food look good than taste good. Have have you, um, are you familiar with kind of this concept and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it definitely requires a balance. Um, I think definitely the rise of Instagram has made like the visual appeal of food to be very important. Um, but I feel like a lot of if if a chef and a restaurant knows what they're doing, then they're able to combine both appearance and and flavor. Um, one of my favorite places for like a for like more high end dining in Manchester is a place called the Birch. Um, they do like very modern like farm to table type cuisine, and they make their food look really nice. But they also they also put a lot of, a lot of thought into, into the flavors. So that's kind of what I think of like an Instagram right at the place in manchester yeah and um, i know if we uh if we were to pull out your phone and take a look through your camera roll it's pretty sad it's predominantly food in fact i had 
a camera also um, that I just use for food. And I was in Montreal over winter break, and I, I lost it while I was there. Oh, so no. that, that's, um, that's horrible. That's pretty, that's pretty hard. But um, did you I have at my least, phone also. So Did you at least have the photos on it backed up? Nope. Oh, <laughs> God. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was a rough time. But, um, so now I just use my phone like so many other people, like, like all the normal people out there who just use their phone. How about um, you, Frank? Do you take pictures of your food? Of course I do, you know, like there are times where when I was in Japan, like I want to show my friends, oh, look, I'm eating some really great ramen. So I sna- I do a snap story. I don't really use Instagram that much, but Snapchat is basically almost this, a similar concept. And I feel that like making the food look good is really important because, you know, presentation, you know, it has to also look good as well as taste good. But making it look good rather than taste good is probably like the problem but there's right. like nick said there's always a balance you need to have it taste good as well as look good as well so finally bringing it back to back to our campus here um while we like to talk about all of these food experiences that we have for the most part our monotony is the dining hall at school correct oh, oh, beautiful <laughs> correct uh. what do you guys think of the dining hall and do you have any tips to maybe make it a little better Frank, do you want to take it away first? Well, the first thing I would say is that I th- kind of wish the dining hall was bigger. This is more like just, you know, wishing stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we have a, f- a good amount, but I feel like there could be more. It feels kind of just like a slightly better school cafeteria, mm-hmm. like from like high school, you know. Yeah. You just have slightly more choices than you would. And I find it odd now because I feel like stir fry is always a thing now. Yeah. Like it used to not be used to be like like a one day a week. But now it's like every day. Like, sure, I enjoy stir fry. But like, is there's why is it only stir fry? Yeah. Like now, I feel like there are some pretty cool things they could pull off with that grill other than stir definitely. fry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, did people only go for stir fry? Like, yeah, if so, then I guess it makes sense. Yeah. And. I would do one hack. I believe that you, when you get a sub without the bread and put rice on it, it is amazing. You don't really need tip. the bread. <laughs> rice and Much sub. better for you, too. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah, I mean, a low-key. I, I think the dining hall could be much worse than it is. I've heard from... I've heard from... Like um, the past students and professors, that used to be way worse. Um, I think we have... I think it, they do have a decent variety. I think they do cater to those with dietary restrictions pretty well there's always room for improvement there but i think they do a pretty good job with that uh i just just think there's kind of like, a, like an issue with with a consistency and some of the stuff that they put out you have to remember they're f- responsible for feeding like thousands of people each day so i think considering all that they do a pretty good job um there's always room for improvement um but i think they you know i don't eat there very often and Ever since, ever since I started uh, um, uh, commuting, but um, I think overall they do a decent job. Mm-hmm. Now, before I let you guys go, I'm going to ask you one quick question. Give me one restaurant that's, that people listening to this podcast need to check out and give me the one dish that should sell them. The, the only restaurant I've been to this year is Puritan Chicken Tent, the Puritans. <laughs> so I'm going to say you should get the Puritan, um, what was it? There, there was one. There was one. It was like the pasta. It was the pasta with the chicken tenders. Chicken parm. Chicken parm. There you go. The chicken parm. Yes. Get that. It's really good with the milkshake. 
delicious. <laughs> they're, they're very good. Uh, baklava ice cream, too. So if you like baklava, I would definitely go for that. It's I've heard good. that was good. I haven't checked it out yet. Milkshake version? <laughs> I know they had milkshakes, actually. That, that's, that's new to me. Yeah, they're um, huge. They're huge. Baklava milkshake? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to give a few here. So I think okay. uh, Capo, uh, a Capo is definitely um, uh, one that I recommend. If you, if you like Italian food, that's the place I would send you to 100%. I would say, I mean, I, I've already mentioned it already, but I think uh, the Birch, if you're willing to splurge, is, yep. is fantastic. And what dishes are each of those? Um, so anything with homemade pasta at Campo is, is, is definitely a, a good thing to get. Um, at the Birch... I think their, their menu changes uh, with the seasons, so it's, they have new stuff all the time. So I can't really recommend a dish in particular, but they really know what they're doing there. So I think it's hard to go wrong. Um, also, uh, the Restoration Cafe is, is is a place that I that I go uh, pretty frequently. Um, they specialize in in like healthy options, but they look at it with like a modern eye. So. Um, is that the place that I saw that sell that serves the coffee and like the beaker? They jar? do, yes, <laughs> the beakers. Yeah. Um, my favorite item is the Abuda bowl. It's uh, brown rice, roasted chickpeas, uh, uh, sweet potato noodles, uh, kale chips, and a tahini dressing. It's Ooh. very good, and it's very uh, cheap too. So it's it's a good it's a good bang for your buck. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. No problem. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Penman Press podcast, What's New? My name is Madison Alexander, and I am the sports editor for Penman Press. Today, I am joined by senior women's lacrosse player Kristen Wilder. Thank you so much for coming in. It's your senior year, your last season, and you're absolutely excelling in your sport. But before we dive into athletics and your sporting career, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your academic and personal career. So what is your major and why did you choose it? And then do you have any after-graduation plans? So my major is sociology with a minor in education. Um, I chose this major because um, I think sociology is just a broad topic, but it's extremely interesting, like the study of people. And um, ideally, I would I've always wanted to work with kids like after graduation, but now I don't have any specific post-graduation plans so far. Okay. So taking it into the athletic area a little bit, uh, what sparked your interest in lacrosse or sports in general? When and why did you start playing? Um, So I started playing lacrosse in fourth grade. I have two older sisters, so they started playing and that just sparked my interest in it right away because I saw them playing. So I started so in more recent news, a few weeks ago, you became all-time goal scorer. And on top of that, uh, you set a program record with 200 goals scored. So what were kind of your initial reactions to that accomplishment in itself? Um, obviously, it was very exciting. But I mean, I couldn't have done any of that like without the teammates that make me look better on the field. Um, so I like credit a lot of that to my teammates. Okay. So what roles do like family, friends, and coaches have to play in that as well as your teammates? Um, I think I just have a really good like support system, um, like with my family, always coming to my games, um, always supporting and being there for me. And um, again, having very supportive teammates on the field. So cool. So what are some other accomplishments that you've had over the last four years that you're really proud of? I don't know. I feel like... A 
like my freshman year was probably our best like team year, um, making it into the any ten playoffs. So like that was just a very um, big accomplishment. I think being a part of that team, um, we haven't made it back since, but maybe this year we'll do it. So uh, since you've been on the team for the past four years, how have you like really seen the team grow, and how have you grown with it? I think. I mean, now that, like, I'm a senior, um, it's more of, like, a bigger role, like, being, like, the oldest on the team and um, kind of just, like, looking out for the younger players and having more of a voice on the field. So uh, what steps or training does it take to kind of, like, become the player that you have and to get all of those accomplishments, especially speaking since you have had that, like, all-time goal scorer and also the 200-goal scorer? Um, obviously it comes with a lot of practice, um, just always doing more like stick work, um, doing all that extra work to like get to that point. How much does time management come into play? Oh yeah. Time management is huge with playing a college sport. Um, <clears throat> cause like every day, especially in season, we have practice, we have lift, um, film. So just having that time management is extremely important. <laughs> So what are some goals that you have for the rest of the season? I think, I mean, coming into the season, the number one goal is just always to get back to that playoff spot. Um, But we'll see. Hopefully we can get there. It's still beginning of the season. Um, We have a lot of games left to play, but I'd say that was the main goal coming into this season. Awesome. Well, that's all we have for you today. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Best of luck in the rest of the season and also in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Sam. I am a writer at the Pemmin Press. And I'm also the podcast editor for What's New. And I'm really excited to be joined in this amazing segment of the podcast. And I am joined today by... Hi, it's Jim. My name is Emmanuel Aldo. And it's Taylor DeForest. So today I wanted to bring a lot of emphasis on international students. And what a better person to help me with that than Emmanuel. Thank uh, you. Emmanuel, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? All right. So uh, my name is Emmanuel Aldo. Um, I'm from Nigeria, which is in um, West Africa. I've been for like four years i'm a senior i'm a business student um also i used to play soccer for snow um you know i got injured and quit playing soccer and um snow has actually been a very very um important i would say place or space in my life um because um it's the school itself actually like took me out of my comfort zone and now I have like so much confidence. I don't know where it comes from, but I have so much confidence to, you know, speak, um, talk, to, to have a conversation. And that's the major reason why I came here to have a conversation. I'm also the president for the International Students Association. I'm so involved on campus. I'm part of the International Student Advisory Board. I'm part of the Code of Conduct Board. Um, everywhere. Yeah. That's so great. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you. He is so involved on campus. So today we brought Emmanuel and my two friends from the Pemon Press. <laughs> so we can discuss a little bit about, just as Emmanuel, I'm also an international student. 
So since I arrived here to the United States, I've gone through a lot of challenges, a lot of um, barriers also. And, and some of those barriers have been, unfortunately, they have been stereotypes that I have been going through. So I want to talk a little bit more with Emmanuel and all the two lovely ladies that I have here today about these stereotypes and how international students are experiencing all this, especially like Emmanuel can jump into a little bit, this conversation a little bit, how stereotypes affect us international students in our community. And I can, I bet that you guys have a lot of things to talk about that. Yeah, to preface this, Taylor and I are two American born students. So, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Emmanuel. on the other end, no, just I, for I anyone who so. doesn't know. We're just um, here to participate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I'm going to speak for myself, and I'm also going to speak for the international student community. Um, as an international student, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, <clears throat> I'm from Nigeria. We speak English. I just have like the Nigerian accent, which is like the best accent in the world. I don't know. I was gonna say, hey, I, I love it. it. I love I it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was just kidding though. But um, yeah. So understanding the American culture, it has been it's it's easy because before I came to the states, I I I lived in England for some time, went back to Nigeria, and I came to America. Like I've been watching American movies, the music. Like I literally know like everything that happens in America, what the news and all that. But the fact that I am black and I have an accent, it just somehow positions me in, or I I get stereotyped that I, this is how I feel. I feel like some people, maybe some people feel like I don't really have much to offer, but um, I usually take that as an advantage when you feel like I don't, like I don't know anything. And then by the time you give me an opportunity to speak or to say um, what, how I feel, once you give me the opportunity and you're like patient enough to listen, then I just like, spill out. Yeah, I, 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 I literally change people's minds. You prove them wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do that a lot. But it's, it's all about giving an international student the opportunity to speak, even if it's in your class or maybe a dinner or some, I don't know, anywhere, just, just give them the opportunity to speak because they might have like an answer to all your questions or to all your problems that you've been trying to solve, but from a different perspective, a different view, you know what I mean? Um, so I would say it, it, it makes you as an international student, when people see you that way, like you don't really have much of it, it brings you down, you feel lonely, you feel you feel like, oh, I wish, I wish I was in my country. You know what I mean? But I didn't come to America to just go to school. I came to understand the culture. I came to feel the people. I came to feel the vibe and everything. So if you get a stereotype, it, it, it makes you, you feel a little bit depressed. Yeah. But you have to be strong. You have to be strong. Yeah. So for me, English is not a problem. So I think that was the major, that was what made me like transition smoothly into the American system. And also I had like American students as my first roommates. They were like three guys every day, party and party and party. <laughs> so they just, they literally, well, they had like good things or so, but they literally like, they didn't stereotype me. They made me feel welcome. They taught me so many things, like how the kind of food you guys eat, what you guys see, because I ask questions a lot. I, I don't want to be like rude, but sometimes I see come out rude to them because to me, it's, it's not rude. 
when someone is rude, it's like your voice needs to be, the tempo of your voice needs to be high. But that's from where I'm coming from. But for, for an American, sometimes, even, even if your voice is low, sometimes they just feel like, oh, this guy is rude. I'm like, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> I don't see any rudeness here. I know. So, yeah, so it's, there's so many things you really need to learn as an international student. But I'm just lucky because I lived on campus and I was um, lucky enough to have some good roommates that just helped me transition into the system smoothly. So I, I, I use what I've learned to help other international students to spread the word. If I see an international student stranded, I walk up to them. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a social person now. I never used to be like that. Trust me. I don't know what <laughs> happened. Change. Change. Yeah, so I know that they're going through similar thing that I went through. So I try to make them feel like um, better. So if you're feeling stereotyped, you just have to motivate yourself. That's something they call intrinsic motivation. You need to motivate yourself inside. You need to understand the fact that America is like America. Wherever you go to, you say you're from America. They're like, okay. So America is like huge out there. Yeah. So yeah. I think Not that's necessarily an the popular. Yeah. I mean, Not necessarily you would, you know, you would, you, well, I don't know, but if you go to my country and you say yeah. you're American, give you a different level yeah. of respect yeah. it's only natural for you to be attracted to the people that look like you yeah. it's it's natural you can't do anything about yeah. it but let me give you an example <clears throat> most of my classes right i'm the only most times i'm like the only black person in my class i'm the only african not even african-american because the african-americans understand the culture i mean they were born here and all that I'm from Africa. Someone that doesn't know me, maybe I, I started dressing like an American not too long ago, maybe like three years ago. Because I like wearing like pencil and all that tight clothes. But um, most times I find out that I'm in a group of six <laughs> and I'm the only international student. I'm the only African. <laughs> so what I try to preach out to people, right? If 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 I go to, um for for example, I, I, I spoke at them. Um, at an event organized by the um, Dean of Arts and Science. I thought I was going to speak to like 12 or 13 people. I didn't know I was speaking to like about 70 something faculty members. I was confused, but what I was actually talking about, right, <clears throat> was how interna- how um, professors and domestic students can have like a good relationship with international students. There's something they call breaking the ice for communication. You don't expect the minority. Like if I'm just one out of five to start talking to everybody, it's not possible. First of all, this is not my environment. How do I do it? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you guys might just crack a joke and everyone laughs. I, I, I also laugh, but um, when I try to crack a joke, it's like, what is this guy talking about? This guy is, <laughs> what, what nonsense is he saying? But it's, it's just different. So what's... If, if I'm to advise an international student, right, or maybe domestic students or a professor, I would say it's really difficult for an international student to start up or to spark up a conversation. So since this is your comfort zone as an American or a domestic student, you have an upper edge, a higher edge over um, the international student. So you can start up a conversation and you'll be very surprised. The international student has been praying all their life to talk to a domestic student. And the same goes, like it's vice versa. Also, the international student as well can also start up a conversation because I believe 
some domestic some domestic students are also waiting for a conversation. But what I what I always tell the professors is that they should make sure they instruct kind of everyone in a group. They should instruct that everyone in a group comes up with everyone should speak before before coming to me as a professor, before giving me a conclusion. I need everyone in the group to speak to themselves. Everyone should contribute. Then you don't come to a conclusion and tell me. Because if you don't do that, right? If you don't allow me to speak, sometimes it makes me feel like I feel like very depressed. I'm like, yeah. No one is giving me the opportunity to, to speak. Meanwhile, I have I know what to say. I'll give you an example. One of my classes, right? I had the answer to the question the professor was asking. I knew it. But the fact that I was one out of six, nobody was willing to give me the opportunity to speak. And I when the professor asked the question, it, we just finished a presentation. It made me no one could speak. very simple. To me, it was very simple. I wanted to speak, but people were trying to like shield me from speaking. I, I read body language a lot. Once I just feel it, because I don't I don't like troubles, I just give you. But I think I've outgrown that stuff. But for other international students coming in, especially the ones that English is like their seventh language, <laughs> it's really difficult. Really, really, really difficult. So I just urge like domestic students, right? To try and like start up a conversation with an international student. If you don't understand them when they speak, you don't say, um, you don't say, sorry, what did you say? I know that's the right thing to say. They say, in my country, you say, sorry, I didn't get you. But I feel like you should say, you should repeat it in your own words and say, if I'm, if I'm getting you correctly, do you mean that this is this? Oh, yeah. So it's, it, it feels like, oh, this person is actually interested in what I have to say. But when you say, sorry, what did you say? It's like, oh, because I have an accent, right? Yeah. I wasn't so, really paying attention to you. Can you repeat it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't want to speak too much, but yeah. That's yeah, it. no, I no, totally no, get it. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I have, I have been lucky have a lot of people here uh even though like home press has been really helpful for me i have met a lot of great people before i joined a pen press i was really depressed because i wasn't given the opportunity of really participating in the community of really making a change in yeah. the community having a voice in the community i didn't feel that i had that that the moment i moved here to the united states i felt like all those chances that once i had of speaking out were completely gone but I feel like the Pemon Press is giving me a voice. Everyone on campus is giving me a voice. And I feel like kind of getting involved, helping international students to get involved. Yeah. Then you can like get rid of all this stereotypes that they have, all these misconceptions, all these errors that we have, all this international student that, ha- that, that struggle to come exactly. to the United States and that go through a really difficult path. Yeah. And they're trying to succeed and they're they're basically trying to they're just trying to live just like any other person in the united states just they just want to get through with it i mean yeah they might we might all have different paths to go through but at the end we're all we all want to reach the same thing yeah so what has actually built my confidence is being involved on yeah. campus yeah. like yeah. you just if in fact there's so many opportunities if you're involved there's so many things you're going to learn in fact you will be so surprised that you can do what you're doing. If you ask me three years ago, Emmanuel, do you want to be a president for international student? There's no way on it. I, I won't, you know, you're wasting your time. It's not going to be possible. If you ask me, Emmanuel, can you come and make a presentation? Nope. Emmanuel, can you come and speak in a podcast? No. 
like I'm a very I'm I'm very introverted, but it's like you're just suppressing a lot. You have a lot to offer, you know. So for a domestic students or an international student, just just give yourself like it's empowering. Yeah. 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 It's really important. There's so many opportunities out there. It it depends on all of us to kind of give each other space, empower each other, give each exactly. other opportunity. It's not only international students, even yeah, us. domestic students. Yeah. Domestic. Yeah, yes, no, yeah. getting involved on campus for anyone yeah. is just it gives you a sense of purpose other than just being on campus. Yeah, and also having friends. Also, yeah. if you like need any sort of drive to like reach out to an international student, like Sam is like one of the most incredible people <laughs> I have ever. Met. Come on, she balances so many things. <laughs> It's in my it's in my blood. We're yeah. in blood. I'm, I'm, my my blood is loud. Sam is one of the most hardworking people I've ever met. Well, she yells at me a lot. <laughs> and and also like our friend Lynn, who is in the Pemmer Press, is an yeah, international student. I know him. You know Lynn. Yeah, I love Lynn. Guitar, right? Lynn He's is the funniest I person I have ever met. <laughs> no, listen. He's very quiet at yeah. first, just but sometimes so he'll funny. come in with like. The immediate, just like punchline, and it's so funny. And I'm like, Lynn, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Or he like makes fun of like the little things I say, and I'm just like, please make fun of me more. It's so like, I feel like you're missing out on such amazing people with such amazing cultures that can really just bring so much into your life just by not reaching out to international students. Yeah, just just. Just go out of your comfort zone and try to speak with an international student. You'll be so surprised. Like the result you get, you'll be so surprised. I know it's the same thing for, I know it, 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 it's difficult for a domestic student because sometimes you might feel like you know, maybe this person is not happy or maybe, you know. But you have the home field advantage. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. I, I feel like as a domestic students, we're so much more comfortable. Yeah. In, just the fact, just an existing here yeah. in this country right now in this classroom, because we're in a room full of our peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, international students may not feel like that. Yeah. They may not feel like they're in a room full yeah. of peers. They might <clears throat> see it as them and everyone else. Yeah. And I feel like, again, it's really on us as the domestic students mm-hmm. to kind of bridge that gap because students not only linguistically yeah. are coming from coming at a disadvantage usually, yeah. but also again working as a TA with international students, I see that the way our educational system is set up is it can be very different. It's really different from a lot of international students, and yeah. a lot of times I see like the level of autonomy that yeah. American students are given, and the way that the classes are structured. Yeah. Especially for the relationship with your professor is totally different from where I'm coming from. It's it's totally well, I like different. It I the system it. of tests and stuff is totally different. Yeah. And I find that a lot of the international students I work with, they struggle because they're kind of left to their own devices and a lot of them have had much more regimented schooling practices yeah. than what we have here in yeah. the West. So it's they're, they're being bombarded at by so many different sides i really feel like it's on us to just lend out that helping hand yeah, yeah. help the person in need like, yeah no matter what we're all people we, we all need help beings. we all have the same base 
you know, there's been emotions. Yeah. And also, also the world is going global. Like if you have, if you have an international student, that's a friend, you might get a job in the future. Right. And who knows, maybe you might be sent to that person's country. So it's going to be much easier for you to transition into the, that system. If you're sent to um, a different country, you, you'll be like, Oh, he told me that so you can even call your international friend and be like, what's up? I had, I'm going to your country and how do I very, it's very, very easy. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like, I feel like in, in the States, I don't know. Everyone is like keeping to themselves. I don't know why in my mind, I'm like, you were in my class, like a couple of minutes ago and you see me outside. You don't even say hi to me. I don't understand. Yeah, like, what was that? I would say hi. No, I'm just, well, most people, right? They just <laughs> yeah. walk past you. They, they wouldn't even say hi, except if, if it's a senior and that person has known you somehow you've been in that person's class for like two, three times. They're like, Oh, I know this face. This face is very, very familiar. They could just you know, give you a nod. But most of them, they just walk past you. I know America is a very fast society. Everyone is going, but because where I'm, where I'm coming, where I'm from, man, if I see you, if you're in my class and I see you outside, I'll be like, what's up? How are you doing? How was your night? How did you sleep? How are your parents doing? That's it. Like, you know, just to make you feel like someone, someone cared. Yeah. But here, well, here, yeah. when someone asks, how yeah. are you? They're like, they'll just say fine. Like, they're not asking really, how are you? Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a standard. Yeah. You have to, like, no one really cares, but like. Yeah, to me, it's weird. Like, when I say, and I start, and I, and I start talking, like, how are you doing? What's good? How, how was your night? They'll be like, bro, just. You yeah. ask because you're genuinely yeah. interested. Yeah. And they're like, stop asking so many questions. Yeah, but, be like, like, but I care. You know? Why are you wasting my time? I can't read it in their faces. Like, please just get the other one. It's kind of, I can read it, but so I try to be very careful. And now I understand all this. But for an international student that just come in, to be really deep. You need to have like an American friend. Yeah. If you really want to transition smoothly. Yeah. You need to have an American friend. Force it. I don't care if you're an introvert. Push it. You need to push. No one is going to do it for you. Yeah, I, I think it all comes down, all our conversation comes down to what you said and what Emmanuel said in the beginning about giving international students a chance, yeah. giving international students a voice, giving them the opportunity of showing who they are, yeah. showing that whatever it's thought about them, it's completely wrong. Giving them the chance of set an example, yeah. every presentation of who they really are. Yeah. And I think that's an important point that we all have touched even you girls as like american people have have touched that uh, for example my country i have like a lot of like uh thoughts of american people and because now i get the chance of hearing you of giving you the chance of proving now you world. know they're true <laughs> <laughs> no now i know that all this can be fabricated but yeah. if you give the people the chance you might be surprised yep. so yeah i really hope our community our sna2 community gives the chance gives the chance to open themselves more to international students. There are a lot of international students. We have a lot of uh, our international services are always helping. And there are, we have a lot of events, right? Yeah. Manuel, what yeah. do we have coming up? Okay. So um, I'm also part of um, International Student Advisory Board. We're, we're trying to do um, um, like a what's it called, community forum mm-hmm. where we invite um, people from the diversity office, from all of our, all, all the departments on campus, any any department that we feel like students might want to ask questions, so we, we're going to be inviting them, and then um, they're just going to give us like an answer, so it will be able for us to maneuver and find our way through, you know, 
from like better human beings. You seem like which is gonna be April seventeenth, two o'clock. Oh, you know, you seem really busy. You're really involved on campus. No. Like everything you said, it was. It's really nice. <laughs> it's really uh, great to see you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, succeeding because you have a big project coming up, right? Yep. And uh, we're all here in the Pema Press are wishing you the best of oh, luck in all you so your efforts. Yeah, we are really looking forward to see how far you go. Yeah. How far you. Prove yourself to be, yeah. and I want to thank my two lovely ladies here to helping me and join me on this amazing conversation with Emmanuel and about the international student. We're really honored to have you, and I hope you and the future are also looking forward to participate in another segment of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. This is with Samantha, and I'll、uh, thank you so much. And that's a wrap on this episode of What's New. As always, thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to us. What's new is a collaboration between the Pemmin Press and Radio Snoo. You can find the Pemmin Press online at pemminpress dot com, or with the at Pemmin Press handle on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find Radio Snoo at radio dot snhu dot edu, or with the Radio Snoo handle on social media. Thanks so much to all the Pemmin Press and Radio Snoo staff who helped out with this episode. And another thank you to all the guests who are in this one. What's new is made possible thanks to funding from the SNHU Student Government Association. 